With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody and welcome to Amo and Annie's Irish Shamfield Road. Well, since our last pod, um, life has changed significantly. Quite a lot has happened since we... When was the last time we've done the pod? Probably a week or two ago, was it? A yeah. couple of weeks most. Um, things are just a bit... The world as we know it has just changed. It's changing almost on a daily basis at the minute, isn't it? Things are just changing so rapidly that we don't know what's going on from one minute to the next. All I can say, Danny, is it's good to have you in company. We are at a safe distance. We are. We are indeed. We have to mention that. We have the hand sanitizer ready. Yes. And we are taking all the precautions that our PM has told us to do. Exactly, yeah. But at the same time, we want to make sure, I think some people would say that, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have the podcast at all. We shouldn't be meeting up. But I think at the same time, it's important to still be doing stuff like this and still having this time of being able to produce a podcast, put something out there that is going to be beneficial for, for everyone to listen well, to. Well, Danny, me and you are great mates. We've known each other a long time. Um, a lot of my friendship groups and a lot of friends I've known over my life, friends of the state, are all because of football. Yeah. Um, I think we hit the nail on the head. Well, I think um, Gary Neville, of all people, hit the nail on the head. He said, whenever the football stopped is when the whole nation starts to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing Juventus play behind closed doors. That was a good number of weeks ago. And that was, for me, that was like, whoa, Cristiano Ronaldo playing for Juventus. You know, he, that's a world star. Like, they wouldn't just cancel that game unless they had to. Yeah. We've seen what's going on in Italy. And although in this pod we are going to men- mention, you know, COVID-19 or coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, I think we want to focus on how much football means to us. Yeah. How much football means to society. And when football comes back, what it'll mean to me and you and to everyone as a collective. Yeah. And um, so we're going to mention a lot of um, great football memories. Yeah. We're going to mention a lot of our listeners. Great football memories. Yeah, thank you very much for writing in and telling <laughs> us a little bit about some of the things that you were thinking of on the on the posts on Facebook and stuff. Yeah, and we're just going to try and keep it positive. At the end of the day, um, if you're sitting there, you're self-isolating, or you're sitting there and you don't, you know, you don't want to be going out the doors unnecessarily. Hopefully, you can listen to this podcast and give you a bit of joy. Yeah. Um, so I think I think a fitting way to start, Danny, would be if me and you mention a couple of our football experiences, you know, um, that are positive personally. Yeah. 
Um, and then we'll go on to maybe football matches that we've watched. We'll mention a couple of things that people have wrote in. Yeah. Um, but so I'll ask you first, Danny. You know, if you had to pick, I know it's hard to pick one, and we don't want people go. We don't want us going on all day. So if, if I ask you to pick two football memories, personally, okay, in your life, um, that you've whether it's you know, kicking a ball at the age of three or you know, scoring the winning goal in the cup final in mm. amateur league, what are your two football memories that you know really, really? You don't forget something that you always remember, something that you'll take to your grave. You know. Okay. Um, there's two that instantly stand out for me. Is that obviously I spend most of my time playing football amateur league in Liverpool, and I play for the team called Stanley Park, which was a, a big part of my life throughout my teenage years. A lot of our mates, like a lot of my mates, we all hung around together, we spent time together, we all played football together, and we got a chance to travel the country playing in different cup competitions. And I remember in the semi-finals of one of the cup competitions we were playing in, we got Drew against another team. What in age would you have been at this stage? I would have been, at this point, I would have been 16, I think. I'm right in saying at that age, Danny. It means everything, because you haven't... At 16 years of age, football is everything. Oh, we, we lived for it at that yeah. point. You were coming home from school, you were straight out, you were playing footy with your mates out in the streets. We used to play in the Tesco's car park, we used to, have to play pairs and stuff. Uh, and then used to travel down to the park sometimes we'd all play there we'd take the dogs with us and all just to add extra um, a couple of extra men in there like dogs going mentally giving them a good run round and yeah that's, that's all it was all about it's just training and playing and enjoying time with your mates and it, it all kind of linked in together and I remember we got to the final and it, it like it holds it in my mind for a very specific reason that we got to this fa- semi-final sorry uh, playing against this team from Liverpool we won 2-0 and then it figured out that they were playing an ineligible player who was too old to play. The other team or you? It was actually us in the end. We thought it was them that were playing this ineligible player. And then one of our boys stepped forward because they were like, no, there's a lad playing. He was ineligible. Uh, he was too old to play. He's faked his certificate. He's faked his date of birth. And we were like, nice. we were like, what a gang of scumbags. Well, tough luck. He's at all out of the competition. And then it emerged that one of the lads on our team turned around. He was like, no, actually, I'm too old. <laughs> we didn't realise because we no. didn't. He was just a lad that had come along and played. Um, Did you get the final? So basically what happened in the end was that we had to replay the game and we replayed it again and obviously you had a couple of weeks then they knew what we were all about we had a couple of weeks and you know what it's like in amateur league they suddenly turn up with a completely different team two weeks in and we were like oh man really really tough game one all last minute of the game and we were like this is a really tough game it's going to go into extra time we punt a ball over the top and one of the lads Danny Mogan uh, ran onto it, side onto the goal, um, and we thought, drill it across the box, try and get a chip in, and we'll try and head it into the net. Outside of his boot, smashes it, <laughs> round the keeper, side of the net, and we go mental uh, and managed to get to the final. And just remember, just and it, there must have been easily, weirdly enough, an amateur league game in a park, must have been 150 people watching, yeah, and the pitch just went crazy like and it was just such it was just such an amazing time you're with your mates you're enjoying the football and you and you get through to a final of a competition and you just you can't describe a feeling like that when you when you're that age it was just it was the, it was the best thing in the world yeah after 16 yeah well, they, hey it sounds amazing and that's what's all about there isn't it really and oh yeah you, you've still got that competitive edge even though you're not playing professional it still means a lot to you yeah and you probably I'd say the two weeks in between the, where the games were delayed or replayed I'd say you couldn't wait to play them again yeah it's the biggest thing that you were and how did you get in the final 
Uh, well, we got beaten <laughs> We got beat four nil, um, which again was just a devastating memory. And you sort of think, oh, we've done so much to get here, and then we lost, and we just kind of just the pressure of the game. Like boys just weren't playing yes, that well, fair um, myself included. But that's that's what football's all about. And what about your second memory, Danny? Second memory is actually a very strange memory. Um, and it's not necessarily a good memory, but it brings back a lot of different memories for yeah. me. Is it was actually two years later we got to the final, the same cup competition. I wasn't playing, um, so I ended up weirdly enough, um, just because I knew both, I knew the manager of my team and I knew the manager of the other team we were playing against. Um, I ended up running the line, and it was at um, Flint Flint Stadium in North Wales. Right. Um, so we went to the game. Playing in that game, got to the final, boys were all buzzing, you're there with them, trying to G them all up and all the rest, and about five minutes into the game, a uh, lad from the other team, Jesse, jumped up, headed the ball, I remember it was a really hot night, jumped up, headed the ball, we all watched the ball go back down the field to our defence, and we started playing out, and the next minute people started shouting, and he just hit the deck, and he was just on the floor, and similar to the whole Fabrice Muamba situation, uh, he was only 18 and hit the deck, died instantly on the pitch. And wow. it was just, it was such a surreal thing to be a part of that like all the boys were laughing and joking, like people were gathering around, the, the, the paramedics came on and we were like, oh, what's he like, a hey, bit of a head injury and he's going down, what a wimp and all that. And then it suddenly started to emerge what had actually gone on. Um, and it was just such a, a horrible moment um, and then we played the game again about six weeks later uh, we played the final again and for me this is what this podcast is all about is that we went to that game and it wasn't about the football it was about the lads being together having that bond together we played the game our team won the game in the end yeah. um, so we got the trophy which was great but straight away the teams were all over to each other they were hugging each other we all went to the clubhouse afterwards they yeah. had food on. I'm Every, getting shivers now everyone just the story it was, it was, it was unbelievable it was just such a, a surreal thing just it all happening but it, it brought everyone together and weirdly enough up until a couple of years ago they played that same match in Flint every single year as a testimony to them uh, as a testimonial game wow um, and, and that for me is what football is all about is that yes, there's a competitive side of it and you want to win, but it's about people, it's about being together, yeah. bonding together. Um, and that's what that that whole memory brought well, That's what we're trying to bring up on this podcast, is just, there's more to football than the actual, you know, game of 11 men versus 11 men or 11 women versus 11 women kicking a football round. Yeah. People just see it as a game of football and, you know, in the... In the strict terms of the law, I suppose it is, but it's what it's the camaraderie that comes after it. Oh yeah, it's the. I always say Liverpool Football Club. It's not a football club; it's an institution. Yeah, and that's what I think. You know, um, my my two memories, I suppose. Yeah, gone. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I remember a lot of things. Um, I remember when I was maybe well going too deep into it when I was about maybe fifteen, sixteen. I played for a team um, called Cold Park, and um, we're out kind of throwing the sympathy card here there was just three or four boys in the team that really used to you know pick on me mm. and um, the manager uh, my old manager Dave he's seen that and stuff but I, I, I like to think I, I deserved a place in the team anyway so long story short um, I played in the team um, my very first match of the first game where we'd been training for ages um, I'd come off injured for about five minutes and uh, the other striker that was on the bench he was one of the lads with with this group of three or four lads that used to give me a lot of stick. Yeah. Um, and he came come on, he scored a hat-trick. 
and I think at the time I was like no way at least I used to think to myself you know in your head these boys give me stick and there's one of the main lads that gives me stick you know a lot of it went on behind my back but you were aware of it and at that age you were yeah. kind of you know, too scared to you know, get involved you were worried because you know, kids can be cruel oh yeah I mean, so he, he come on he scored a hat-trick um, and the other thing that was always annoyed me was you know I was scared to be myself but for whatever reason when that happened the only thing I had before that was well, at least I'm in the team before this guy but he come on he scored a hat-trick and straight away I lost my place in the team and he started every week and I was on the bench and there's nothing worse than being a 16 year old you know, being on the bench and seeing the guy that bullies you get in the team and, and I mean all that aside he was a great player mm. But anyway, whatever happened, I stuck at this for months and months and months. And we were about to get relegated out of the league. And we played a team called Walton. And it was, you know yourself in... Um, do you remember Jericho Lane? Yeah, yeah. Played Jericho Lane. It was a summer game. So it was an evening game. Yeah. So wherever it happened, um, people couldn't make it and stuff. So me and this guy, the one that used to always you know, give me grief, we got partnered up front. Because there were three strikers... A guy, another guy, a guy called Ziggy. Yeah. Um, Lewis Clayter. Um, I'll give you a shout out. He was one of the best amateur footballers I've played with. He played up front with myself. Um, but anyway, long story short, people weren't available. So me and this guy that we didn't get on got part up front. Um, long story short, he ended up coming off at half time because Ziggy could make it because I think he was finishing work or something. The classic that you like, he was able to turn up yes. halfway through a game and still get on. But anyway, long story short, the, the, the first memory that I'm getting to, but I had to give the build story, was I was playing this game and I was playing absolutely awful, and I mean just awful. We were, um, we, it was actually nil nil. We were getting absolutely slaughtered, and then they scored a goal, and it was one nil to them. Yeah. And anyway, you think people know what's coming in? Anyway, the ball come over the top from I chested it, and it's a volley from about thirty yards out in the last minute, and it went in the top in. And I remember Ziggy, who was one of my closest friends at the time, Lewis. Um, he turned around to me halfway the second half, and he went, "Why are you? Even, why do you even play football? You're no S H I T." Yeah, because I was playing awful, but the ball just come over your chest and it's in the top in. And everyone piled on top of me. <laughs> there was people watching from the other pitch. Being, I remember one of the guys um, at the time. He, he, he actually ended up playing for Tramway. He came up to me, but I think that's the best goal I've ever seen. But for me, it wasn't about the goal. It was about getting bullied, losing my place in the team, which was me one bit of one bit of pride. I stuck at it instead of quitting. Well, the easiest thing I could have done was quit. Yeah. But I stayed in, and from that moment on, I was always probably in and out the team. And I had scored quite a few goals. But that moment, the ball came onto my chest and it with my left foot. It was out of anger and frustration, and out of, I, I just can't do this no more. And I went in the top bin, and we drew the game. Um, and and Wayne Rooney against Newcastle type moment. It was just, it was pretty much like that. I'm a left foot, and I'm not trying to be arrogant, but it was just amazing. And I, I remember going on that night just thinking, I'm glad I stuck at this. I'm glad I didn't give up. Yeah. I didn't give in to the bullies. I didn't give in to being out the team. I just, no, I, I stuck at it, and I, I scored that goal. Mm. And my second memory um, would have been, I won a, a, a competition with Vauxhall um, to play at Liverpool's Academy. Okay. Um, and it was the year after Stephen Gerrard left. So if anyone remembers the black kit um, that we wore, it was like a kind of really tintery grey black kit. And Stephen Gerrard left, just left the club and he went to LA Galaxy. Yes. All right, anyway, so part of this competition, it was through Liverpool, um, John Aldridge and David Fairclough managed the teams and got to play at Melwood but I remember going into the um, dressing rooms and they had all our kits lined out for us with our names on it and I remember just going up and seeing Hamilton number 8 Yeah. so I was the first person since Stephen Gerrard to wear the number 8 shirt 
for Liverpool. Oh, okay. In the new shirt. Oh, wow. Was like, wow. It was like, I just couldn't believe it. It was a new kit and it was just just looking in the change room seeing the name Hamilton number 8 just after Gerard had left yeah because I think it was a while before someone took the number 8 and I was just looking there thinking wow this is a surreal moment this um, but yeah there, there would be my two memories football and you know I'll just look back and smile type of thing you know yeah. um, but anyway Danny so what we're going to go into next is our two memories of watching football and you know why do we need to make Right, folks, welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Right, so what we're going to um, discuss now is our two greatest football memories of football that we've watched, whether that be amateur or you know professional. But I'm, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say they're probably going to involve Liverpool, aren't they, Danny? Yes, yes, I can imagine. <laughs> <enough. laughs> so, yeah, um, what's your first one, buddy? First one, I think, has got to be, and I, and I always say this to my kids, I say it to my wife, because my wife is, like we said earlier in the podcast, my wife's not really all that into football, and she is one of those that's like, just fellas on a pitch kicking a ball around the point. So that, is you know? my partner. And yeah. I'm like, shut your face, will you? Um, <laughs> she just doesn't understand it, like, um, and that's fine, that's up to her. Uh, if family of Man United fans, so I'm glad she never got into it. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad she never liked football. Obviously, she wouldn't like football watching that crap all these years. Yeah. Um, but my the thing that stands that makes football what it is, and I say this to Faith, is the fact that the first time you go to the ground and the first time you experience the game, first game, proper game I went to, because um, my uncle took me to the games now and again just for bits, and I also used to, because I lived right next to Everton's football yeah, ground growing up. So we used to do the whole, when the gates opened, last 15 minutes at Goodison, because one of the things we all know is that Everton fans don't stick around for 90 minutes. And so the gates used to open, play, fans used to all flood out, um, and we used to sneak in past the fellas and get into the ground. Oh, really? So I, I watched like the last 15 minutes of most Everton games throughout the season at home. Um, used to get in, get into a seat, find a seat quick, and sit there and watch the last 15 minutes of the match. Um, and we always used to do that all the time. So I've been to loads of bits but first proper game I ever went to, my dad took me and my brother uh, to watch Liverpool versus Ipswich in the FA Cup. Was um, that a 7-0 game or was it? It, it went all the way to penalties. Oh, did it? Um, so yeah, it went through to extra time, through to pens. So it was great. So you got like you probably got your money worth in that sense. Like, yes. my dad, I think my dad was buzzing, bought three tickets and managed to get extra time and pens out of it. We were sitting in the main stand just next to the cup, just right by the corner there, just at a good height where you can see the whole pitch. And it was just such a, an amazing feeling. You know yourself, you walk into the stadium first time, you go round, you get yourself like a, a pie and a drink or whatever, and then you make that short walk just up the steps, and suddenly the lights it's just the pitch, amazing. It's 40,000 people starting to sing. I know that everyone that's been to a Liverpool match your first time, yeah, I just, I can completely and utterly just, it's. Isn't it the greatest feel ever? It's amazing, and that, that's why it'll always stick in my mind, because you've got that moment of going out there as a, as a young kid, going out and seeing this game for the first time, and just going, oh, this is amazing. And that's where you sort of, for me, you properly fall in love with the club yeah. when, when you've gone to a game and experienced it for yourself. And yeah. like, yeah, as I said, went all the way to Pens, Liverpool, won in Pens, beat Ipswich, uh, through to the next round of the FA Cup, um, and it was just, oh, it was amazing. So that's, that's definitely my my first sort of memory that pops to mind when I think of games that I've seen. It's just something special about your first trip to Anfield, isn't it? Oh, it really is. I'd like, say if you ask most people about you know, memories, first trip to Anfield would be in there. Oh, yeah. You know? What about um, you? Right, well, one of them. Do you know what? I don't want to be a clown, but I'm going in. My first ever Liverpool match. 
It was Liverpool versus Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. Right, we were getting beat 1-0 in the first leg. And an absolute legend of a player that I love scored the plus first goal. It was a League Cup, I think it was semi-final. Yeah. LRG Doof. <laughs> nah, I'm only joking, I can't stand the man. I was going to say, uh, hey, what, LRG Doof. What an absolute... T-O-S-S-E-R <laughs> but anyway the first Liverpool player scored the scene score live was alleged youth but I, I remember going and it was just still the bit it was a night time game and I remember just going and as I say seeing Anfield for the first time like, it was just, it's, it's a moment I'll never forget yeah. in that game we won at 1-0 but it was 1-1 after Aggregate uh-huh. and Michael Owen scored the winner Okay, um, and we got to the League Cup final it was the year when we won at 2-0 when uh, Gerrard scored that deflected goal and it's not been an Owen scored as well okay yeah it's the famous you know uh, picture of a man getting the ball on the halfway line and Fred and Michael Owen through yeah then Ego Biscan comes running off the bench and hooks him yeah yeah it's that final oh, okay um, yeah so that was that was the year we won it um, but yeah it was my first match it was Sheffield United that was just as I say Danny I'm going to just be a copycat and when you walk in the same, you just see it all the lights for the first time you see it on TV a hundred times but when you see it in real yeah you know, and you just see the watching the stadium gather up bit by bit I think it was my 11th birthday it was just amazing and it just gives me a warm feeling you know oh yeah um, and yeah um, what can I say you know, what's your second one um, it's hard because I think there's a few different mentions there's a few different things that I could say about it. I remember going to see Liverpool Crystal Palace when we won 3-2 Jibble Cissé scoring a hat-trick uh, it's the 2005 year when we won the Champions League yeah um, and I think my brother kind of fell in love uh, my, my brother fell in love with the worst part of football that I went to the game with him and um, Jimmy Traore done an overhead kick from left back completely spooned the ball but everyone went mental and ever since then he just loved Jimmy Traore um, so like I remember that game and it was an amazing game there was loads of different Liverpool games I can talk about but I think just because of hindsight and the way it's gone about in history and it's actually weirdly enough not a Liverpool game is I remember going to Goodison and watching England under-21s versus Portugal under-21s. Right. First ever game that Ronaldo played in England. Oh, um, the Portuguese Ronaldo? Yeah, yeah right, and okay. he was playing for the Portugal under-21s. Right. Um, and I remember him coming on, he had the spaghetti head, you know, that big yellow bit of spaghetti, it looked like it was coming down out the front of his head. Yes. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, um, it was funny because he came on and he was all... Step overs and England under twenty one were your classic English lower league boys. I think Francis Jeffers was captain of the team because it was a Goodison. There's a blast and, um, Just they were just booting everyone every time Ronaldo was doing step overs. Some England player was coming in just volleying them across the field. Um, <laughs> and Portugal beat us two one. I was in the lower Gladys in the corner as the cross came in in like the ninety first minute. And Ronaldo dived for it and handballed the ball into the goal to win 2-1. And, and he ran off in front of us celebrating and we were giving him abuse, just hailing did dogs. It, did he count and all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, um, linesman and ref and all didn't see it and they won the game 2-1. No it was like an international friendly game. Way. And it was just, it was a couple of games after, a couple of weeks after that that then Ferguson signed Ronaldo. Um, right. And he came over permanently for United. And... I remember walking out of the ground and we were giving we were talking abuse about him and his, his hairstyle and all and we were like there's no way if he played in the Prem that he would ever be a decent player playing there and sure and, and look at what he's done <laughs> like what he's ended up going to he's done okay he's no messy but he's done okay <laughs> so I think for me the memory of, of watching Ronaldo live and yes he wasn't the player he is now but it, you just knew 
there was something yeah. about him and just the fact that in history I can always have that moment of saying yes, I, seen Ronaldo I, I watched Ronaldo play live um, which is always amazing so I think that'll always stick out in my mind as a memory yeah yeah, yeah. let's just do a wee note on that tell me tell me the, the three greatest players that you've watched live three greatest players oh wow um, I, th- I think as much as the controversy is and everyone's going to roll their eyes that isn't a Liverpool fan I think you've got to put Gerrard in yeah. that category to watch Gerrard and some of the games I've watched yeah. them in uh, has been amazing like yeah. I always loved him um, it's hard It's hard to pick players uh, I think Ronaldo's got to be up there but the game that I watched Ronaldo he wasn't great but because yeah. of who Ronaldo is yes. um, I've got to put him in that bracket and put him up yeah. there um, and uh, it's so hard because there's so many players I really loved yeah. um, that's what I love about this podcast is that we just talk and we just throw people we, we don't rehearse this we just throw it in so yeah just throw it in it's coming and off the tongue like. and I think there's as I said there's so many players like I watched Gareth Bale Gareth Bale was amazing I've seen Perlo it was amazing as well um, I think because I've watched them so many times I think for me I've got to put Xavi Alonso in there because Xavi Alonso was always my type of player he was he was slow he, he played well I can't do a yawn right now because it's hard but like I mean we knew you, <laughs> we knew you were going to pick Xavi Alonso anyone listening you know, if you're a regular listener to this podcast we know how much Danny loves Xavi Alonso and how much he hates Dejan Lovren <laughs> I think which, which prompts the question that everyone's going to be sitting there now going if if Amal mentions Jordan Henderson in his list of three players, like this would be shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got to go. With, I've got to go with Alonso, Alonso, Gerard, and Ronaldo. I think. I'm Fair enough. Good. I would go Gerard. Yeah. How can you not say Gerard? I would go Suarez. Okay. And I'll go Messi. Okay. You know, I've seen. I, I've we. I went to Barcelona. Seen a Barcelona match. They, they, they tore some mid-table team five 0 Messi scored two. Mm. Suarez scored two. Um, obviously seen Suarez play for Liverpool as well but yeah in, in my opinion Gerard Messi and Suarez um, for my second um, memory of football yeah. this is going to be I wouldn't say controversial but I have to be honest England Greece 2001 is this the Old Trafford this was when I was young enough and naive enough to not hate England <laughs> and young enough and naive enough not to hate the fact that we were playing at Manchester United Stadium. Yeah, I was going to say. At that time, it was a golden generation and England were just like, it was just, I just loved England because a lot of Liverpool players for England and as I say, I was naive and everyone makes mistakes but it's still, <laughs> it's still, it's still in my memory. Oh, I think you can be forgiven. David Beckham, 90th minute, Old Trafford. If we, if, if we draw the game, we go to the World Cup mm. and he, you know, he, he, at that time, David Beckham was the biggest name in world football. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we don't draw, if we lose, we get beat 2-1 by Greece. We actually get a bit 2-0 by Greece. Yeah. Um, Sheridan come on, yep. scored a goal. He's about, he's about 40 that stage, so I don't even know play for England. <laughs> but anyway, and then Beckham scored that free kick. That was just... I think most people in world football know that moment. It was uh, just... It's, it's an iconic moment of John Matson, football. You know, just David Beckham. 19th minute, Old Trafford. Can he do it? Ah, oh, David! And he just goes over and he just does that celebration. Yeah. I mean... I've always thought to myself of what it would have been like to be there because, like at home and all, I remember like everyone, whether you're an England fan or not, yeah. you, you'd acknowledge that moment. That goal changed. And we went mental. Like yeah, that goal changed. You know, history as we know it for that year because it was a difference us going to World Cup or oh, yeah. not going to World Cup. Yeah, it's a moment, isn't it? He was. He was a, he's, he's been sort of put on a pedestal, I suppose, for that moment that he was the man for the moment. When they always talk about you need a man to step up at a specific moment and do a job, yeah. like. 
Beckham in that moment is always what comes to I reckon, yeah, it was just a, it was just a fantastic free kick. It was like, it wasn't just the curl on it and everything. It was just it was like, real. if that wasn't, if that free kick wasn't in that moment, you would have probably given it a free kick this season. Yeah. But because it just, it was just, and say when I was young enough, naive enough, it just really, 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 just, I just remember doing like, wow, I just couldn't believe it. It was like, that's probably one of the biggest reasons I fell in love with football. I say, I've since grown up and realised that, I don't really care about England. Yeah. And I've since grown up and realised that you can't idolise Manchester United players. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I was too young to realise, you know, the crack as the eyes yeah. and all that. And I think like, we talk about football, don't we? We talk, like, this is a footballing podcast and yes, we concentrate on Liverpool, but we talk about the whole connection with it being over here and we do like a football world podcast as well. And I think I'd be in the same bracket as you that I think, yes, he played for Manchester United, but I would always, I would always look very fondly at Beckham. Like yeah. I think Beckham was a, a quality player and a great ambassador for, for English football and for the sport in general. I think Beckham was kind of the man you wanted representing your country and representing your club, even though he did play for United. Like. I, as I say, he was a fantastic player and that memory there, you know, it's, as much as I realise in, in my older age that I shouldn't really be idolising it, I still think back on it's a special memory and that's oh, yeah. it's something that I'll always have with my memories. Mm. And without further ado, I'm going to mention a few of our listeners and what a couple of their memories on, on why football so special to them. A couple I'm going to read out. Um, I'm going to read out one from Marty Chapel. Okay, he's amateur football again. He's actually the guy that won all the plush yet. Yep. Okay. He said scoring a volley from a corner and winning the league. Um, but having to win by six clear goals so uh, he didn't really elaborate but uh, uh, Marty if you could write in just and uh, elaborate on that memory but it sounds to me like you need to win by six clear goals and you scored a volley to win the league at any level of football that would be amazing Yeah. so um, please I, I can elaborate on a little bit that I played with Marty yeah. for a good few years and it was probably a fluke alright <laughs> <laughs> there you go Marty um, if you don't enjoy the podcast enjoy the, the free lip push yet <laughs> but another one that um Really, really, really touched home to me. Um, Chris Cunningham, great friend of mine. His daughter, Alex. And Chris is actually my manager of my team now. Um, a shout-out to everyone at Morn Celtic. Yeah, we haven't played a, a long time because of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But he said one of the biggest proudest moments was his little girl, Alex. At that stage, she was playing in a boys' team. But she was one of the better players. And um, there was a penalty in a deciding game. And all the boys were here take it. And she scored it, and she won the game, and everyone jumped on top of him. And he said, one of his proudest football memories, and this man is a huge Liverpool fan, mm. is watching his daughter score that winning penalty in, in a, a, you know, a male predominantly sport. Yeah. So you you think of stuff like that? Okay, it's not fair to play mixed sexes in you know higher age groups for obvious reasons, but yeah. at that level, his wee daughter scored, and, and I know him and his daughter, and she comes and watches every game and. You know, it's a lot of girls don't have the passion that males do for football, but a lot, a lot do, and I've seen it in this yeah. little girl, Alex. And the, the fact that you know that man there, Chris, he bees around football a lot, and he's been involved in a lot of games. The man's coming forty, um, and he's just, he's just, he's an amateur football man. He gets no thanks, and he just, he loves it. But that's his proudest moment. His proudest moment was he, his wee daughter scoring a goal, and more or less a boys, you know, game. And that's the thing; it becomes so much more than than just kicking a ball around and it's coming yeah. so much more than just football especially when your kids are involved and like families involved and stuff like that I have a little nephew who plays every Saturday and my brother sends me videos of him playing all the time and mm. you just you're wanting them to do really well and you're yeah. rooting for them and you sort of you have that moment I think I've got two kids myself and my little girl is massively into football now 
um, after us winning the Champions League there last season um, and us getting a chance. We were in Liverpool at the time. We got to see the Liverpool coming home with the trophy and she was up on my shoulders with the Liverpool flag waving it yeah. and the bus came past and I've always had it drilled into it. And if you ever see me, you can speak to my daughter and you say to her, who's the best player at Liverpool? And she'll say, James Milner. And I say, why? And she says, because he's an engine. And she's always just had that drilled into her head, just a sort of indoctrination there. And when the bus came past, I shouted to her and said, look, there's James Milner, there's James Milner. And she started shouting for him. She was like, Milner, Milner. And he turned around and seen her and started waving at her. And that just became, for me, even as a parent, you suddenly have that moment where your child is 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 just so happy in a situation that you can't help just to feel completely emotional about it. So I can totally, I can totally see where Chris is coming from. That you start to live your football dreams through your kids, and you want them to enjoy it. Yeah, no, it. it's great. It, it's just absolutely great. And um, another memory um, from Mark McCrossan written to Istanbul Stevie D when he scored the first goal, and he, you know, we all know that. Yeah, he lifted the crowd. I'm doing Captain's it now as if people can see me, but you know, we lifted the stadium. Captain's armband falling off, and yeah, all. and he just come on, you know. And that, that that's a big memory for me as well. I suppose. I mean, that's one for all Liverpool fans, isn't it? I suppose you know. Yeah, that was the moment. I think you sort of you thought to yourself, maybe we could do it. Maybe like I remember sitting there with a load of mates uh, in Liverpool watching that game. We decided to watch the second half just because there were some Everton fans there and they were like, no, we want to see how many you get smashed by. you seen the first goal go in, you thought, oh, come on, Stevie, G them up. And then next minute, the second goal went in and you thought, we can we can do this. Like, And that was, that was the beginning of the tide turning in that game. It was just, ah, oh, brings goosebumps. I guess what this podcast is about, what we're saying, is see that, see that moment we're discussing these memories. Mm. Anyone listening now, I hope, it's got that wee tingle. In, in the stomach yeah. you know the week in the chest where you're like oh wow that was amazing and it made you happy and that's what we're trying to do now reminisce on football memories and as I say it's good that we've had so many people write into us and it's good that we can share these memories and we're just kind of in the very serious time that we're in at the moment yeah. it's just kind of nice to kind of forget about it for a while and try and you know reminisce on memories yeah. what we're going to talk about next is we're going to talk about the logistics of what we should do with the league this season um, what you know how it's going to work and potentially the run into next season um, so yeah that's what we'll discuss next thank you everyone for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road right Danny so let's get quite a bit serious here yeah so obviously a league season has kind of stopped halted with this whole coronavirus first time um, since the war I think is it, is. it? yeah what we're just going to discuss here now, folks, is what we think should kind of happen. Um, I think we're all fair that what do you think should happen? Well, in, in this situation, what would you do, Danny? If you were in charge and said, right, Danny, what will we do? What would you do? It's such a complex situation. I think people can automatically just off the cuff say what they think, but there's so much more to football now. People are all saying about like, oh, well, when it was in the war, this happened, that happened and all that. But, but football has changed so much since then. You think to yourself of the... The publicity the football has, the television rights, all the rest of it. It's like it's almost like going. People are saying like, "Oh, the league should just be made null and void." But it's like turning. That's up. Man United fans. I know. <laughs> but, fans. It, but it's like turning up. You got to imagine it that it's like turning up to a play and then getting two thirds of the way through the play and then going, "Ah, oh, actually, we're not going to do the last bit." You'd be fuming. Yeah. Although the league is ran game by game by game, it's a season, and the league know that if they just decide to make the games null and void now. We all have the right, as people who have 
bought Sky Sports, who have yeah. bought Amazon, all these different companies, we have the rights to be able to complain and say we didn't get our money's worth because we paid for a season of football that you advertised and didn't come through on. So they know there's the potential of all sorts of lawsuits, never mind the fact that then teams can claim as well, like television companies can then suit, like go to teams and get lawyers and say, oh, like we want all of our television rights back yeah. like, that we paid you because you're not playing as a full season. All these different things, and there's so much in it now that it's hard to know exactly what to do. If it was up to me and it was my choice, firstly, you've got to finish the league. And that's not just coming at it from a... Liverpool point of view. Well, Carragher suggested Liverpool's the easy decision. Yeah. It's like the top four in the relegation places. And yeah. And your, your playoffs, you look at the likes of, which I know a lot, especially in Northern Ireland, it's a big issue. It's not as much in England unless you're from this part of the country. But look at Leeds. Yeah. Leeds are on the verge of coming back into the Premier League for the first time in years. years. Yeah. And, and if that gets made null and void, they lose that opportunity. Millions. Not, millions. Yeah. Never mind all the playoffs. Playoffs is one of the biggest money making things in football. The richest game in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? They say you get 190 90 million pounds for you the get, final. You, you get parachute payments only for five yeah. years, so you get maybe half of it there and then, and then you get five yeah. years of payments. So a lot of these clubs rely on that. Yeah, payments. And people can say people can sort of turn around and go, "Oh, well, the way football is, like that money isn't really relevant." But you look at the teams that have come up recently, the likes of your Wolves and stuff mm. like that, uh, Sheffield United, even they've been able to almost build a new squad on Bournemouth. the back of that money Bournemouth, Bournemouth classic example like yeah. within the sort of loan spells but then being able to invest in those players yeah. they've been able to totally revitalise their teams so I think the league this, the league has got to be played it's got to be finished yeah. for me there's two ways of doing it one people I think will be okay with the other one people won't go on first of all which is the one I think people will be okay with is that with the Euros being cancelled during the summer yeah. uh, which I think is the, is the right decision yeah. I think I know it's quite far in advance yeah. but I think it's the right call to make 100% um, I think you play the rest of the season like a Euro tournament teams play every two three days the fixtures that we've got left in the league yeah. and you play it every two three days like you would in a European tournament yeah. and finish the league in good time yeah. that you can still get a pre-season in that the players that you're buying during the summer you put a halt on players that you buy being able to play until September yes, yes, yes. and it gives you a chance to still work in the transfer market integrate yeah. them into the team but play at a quick enough rate to get the league done. 30th of April there'll be no games until then yeah Okay, so up to now, and that may change. Yeah, that could, it could be less. So that's one. What, what would be the other solution? The other one is that if it gets to a, a latter stage, you still want the league to start in September. We know the amount of fixtures we have and stuff yeah. like that. The other one, which I think Liverpool fans, including myself, will hate, but it's an option of how you finish the league, is that the only team that can catch us at the minute is City. So we play a cup final type game for the league. Nah, well, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that nah. but in order to get the league finished yeah. mathematically which is all the abuse that you're going to get as a Liverpool yeah. fan is that mathematically we haven't won the league City can still technically catch us so if it gets to the stage where the league can't restart until mm. August you play a playoff that you play the playoffs in the championship you play a playoffs in the Premier League for the relegation places yeah. and, and Liverpool City play a game that decides who wins the league that's no, it I wouldn't I mean for me for me, not to dismiss it too much. Standing no, that's all right. That's, that's a bad idea. I, t- I told you it was a controversial one because we are so far ahead yeah. that, it, that you can lose on a single game nah, quite easily no. just on an off day. I think you just played the games around closed doors. Guy and Emma made a good point. You could even shake football up and do it in such a way. If it is going to run past the 30th of April and he is in time, you know, two ways, the two ways I would say. Yeah. The first way would be 
Um, just play the games as often as you can, but just no void next season. So maybe make next season like 18 games or whatever you do. Yeah. But if it runs into next season, so what? Get this season finished. That's why we maybe don't have a league, just have cup games. Or I don't know. Mm. Um, but run into next season, um, or maybe maybe not play eighteen games, but we'll just play a, a bigger schedule next season. You know, so yeah. a, a more packed schedule. Yeah, it's just uh, hard, and because we've seen this season all the complaints about yeah. it because the the fitness of the players, the fatigue that everyone gets. But it's the same for everyone. Yeah. Second one would be Gary Neville actually suggested what they could even do is just play game day after day. So have a period of like three weeks and play game every single day. Okay. It's the same for everyone. Yeah. So almost like the it, Christmas period where we, you, you where play we games, constantly have matches. Yeah, so you'd have a period of like maybe fourteen to twenty one days and play to playing every day. Yeah. And just get on with it. And I know it would be you know you would have complaints about it, but you'd get the league finished. Yeah. You'd get the games that need to be finished finished. Um, but if it was the same playing field for everyone, mm. then you just get on with it. Yeah. That and you you know, you'd give a lot more players. I think that's and that would only be done because it would be a case of that's what they have to do. I think players will get behind it yeah. if everyone was up for it. I think especially because the only reason that would go ahead is if it was later down the line. If it was yes. the end of July, say, yeah. mid-July, and it's only just getting back to the, the Premier League at that point, yeah. I think people would be behind it because they've had such a long time of rest yeah. that the players would be prepared. Because at the end of the day, yes, we say about fatigue, we say about all this, they're professional athletes. Yeah. like These boys should be able to play 90 minutes a day and yes I understand the pressures and the atmosphere and all the rest of it but for like a week solid the boys should be able to put the graft in and then they'll go back to pre-season training rest and before the new season I think that's the only way if it was later than Tito you could do it and then still have a season next season Yeah. so as a one-off play no, a game every day Yeah. as a, as a one-off um, or maybe every two days you could probably get away with it there's only about 10 or 11 games left but then you, you, people would argue about the Champions League and how does that work and I, I honestly think that the Champions League needs to be voided and I'm not just saying that because Liverpool got knocked out but I'm just saying I think the cup competitions it's a, it's a different rule the leagues have to be done because it decides things Yeah, it decides who's going to be in what division next season it decides money it decides TV rights it decides all these different things Champions League doesn't necessarily yeah, it it decides who wins a cup competition, and yes, it is vitally important. Don't get me wrong, um, but I think in the grand scheme of it, I think the cup competitions have but got then, to go if something if something has to. I I see your point, but it's money as well. People are going to lose out on that money. Yeah, like playing in the Champions League. So I don't know if that's. Uh, the, I think the truth is here, Danny, is we're just two football fans, and we don't know. Yeah, the people who have to knock their heads together, we never like the FA and the you know FIFA and stuff. No one ever gives credit anyway because yeah. no one's ever happy. Yeah, I think how it works right now is as Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher said last night, this has gone beyond football. Yeah, let's make sure everyone's safe. Let's make sure everyone's it's safe to play. Yeah, and then whatever they come with, just get on with it and then go again next season in whatever way they have to. It's good that they postponed the Euros because it gives us that time to dip into. Yeah, with contracts and stuff, I would just there should be a rule in place where whenever the games are played, you're only allowed to play players that were you know. Registered at the beginning of the season. Yeah, so transfers can't happen exactly in the middle of the season. Yeah, that the transfer window is going to have to be readjusted. Yeah, we can't yeah. suddenly bring in Mbappe and play him in our last ten games. <laughs> Basically, yeah, um, and also I think another thing that you're going to have to take into consideration is these games could be played behind closed doors. Now, which brings us to like Liverpool. So, me and Danny Hughes, Liverpool fans, wait a whole life for this. Personally, Liverpool are going to win this league to confirm that the game's going to be played. Waiting a couple of months doesn't bother me. We've waited thirty years. Yeah, but what would? Although I would rather games being played behind closed doors, how would that be Liverpool winning the Premier League in an empty stadium? Like, just, I mean, I know safety is first, but that would, for me, would just be, 
What I'm trying to say here, would you rather wait another six months and play it in front of the crowd or play it in two, three months and play in front of an empty... I mean, and this is the thing, this brings us back to the initial point that you were talking about right at the start of the podcast, is that is the how much this pandemic has changed so, so quickly, is that in the last podcast that we've done, our Football World podcast, we suggested this. We suggested the fact that Liverpool may win the league and lift the trophy in front of an empty stadium. Yeah. And we both laughed about it. And, and, and started joking about the fact that, oh, well, I'd rather just be there and get coronavirus. And yet things have changed so drastically since then that it comes back to what you said, that it was like when football got cancelled, you suddenly realised, wait there a minute, this is serious. There's something going on here that's far bigger than just a, a bit of a, a bit of a cold, as people are saying. Oh, it's just a cold and, and you're moaning about it and stuff like that. Like, it's something far more serious than that. Yeah. And and there is a real reality now that, that we could lift the trophy behind closed doors. I think for the sake of fatigue, for the sake of next season, for the sake of getting things done, I would rather we done it in front of uh, no state, no fans at all. Yeah. Um, this, because there's still the potential that we could still do a parade around the city and stuff like that. And that's what the fans really thing. want. Yeah, I mean, for me... I think if Liverpool end up lifting the stadium, uh, lifting the trophy at empty stadium, Liverpool fans would flock outside anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of counterproductive. You've seen it in PSG. You know, they shut the stadium mm. and still tens of thousands of fans waited outside. Yeah. Um, whether we like it or not, whether people listen to this like it or not, the day that Liverpool lift the league, and if, if it, it has to be in an empty stadium, Liverpool fans will flock in the thousands, yeah, maybe tens of thousands, mm. um, and that's got to be taken into consideration as well. Um, I think people don't realise how big a moment it is, so I think that's why there has to be real consideration about when the league restarts again. Yeah, because as you said, people will just come to the stadium and people will cheer and people will want a parade and different things like this, and people will line the streets the same as they done when we won Champions League two thousand five, like out in the streets celebrating. So we've got to make sure that it's a safe environment to be able to do that. Yeah, it's a really good thing because I don't want to say it's taking the shine off Liverpool winning the league, but at the end of the day, it kind of is a wee bit as well because it's. The whole part of football, or the whole point of football, is experiencing those moments with people. Yeah, you know, without without the camaraderie, without the companionship, the the, the banter, do it just it just wouldn't be the same. And that's what we said right away throughout this post, isn't it? Is football is more than just people kicking a ball around. It, it it's it's like it's spending time with your friends. It's your passion. It's it's what brings joy to you at a lot of the time. And, it's and just like something. It's gonna be great for the city as well. I mean, it's the way I look at it is, I think my gut is telling me. That the chances are we're going to lift that Premier League in an empty stadium. Yeah. But if it was me making the decision, if we had to wait another year, I wouldn't care as long as we got to lift that league. Yeah. In front of the in front of the crowd, and even if it impacted next season and like next season we come to the void, you know, even if they just what what another idea that's just popped into my idea now is what we could do is say worst case scenario happens and we and you don't want to play the games every day or every other day, just run into next season and next season do like a Premier League Cup. Just for that one season. So play the League Cup, play the FA Cup, play the Champions League and just do like a, a Premier League Cup next season mm. and everyone plays maybe 20 games and draws against each other at random and that could just be enough to, whoever wins the most games wins the league. That yeah. could be, people would say it wouldn't be fair but for, as far as I'm concerned, forget about next season, get this season sorted however it has to be done and I think for the integrity and me being a bit biased being a little funny, I think it needs to be played in front of spectators mm. and for money as well. Um but for me, I would be one that I don't mind it being done in front of an empty stadium. 
I think I think the league has got to be finished. Um, does tarnish it? Does you have to agree? Oh, it's, it, it, does, it does. It, it does. It's like use won the league, but I think it's lifted trophy yeah. twenty fans, and that's what people will say. Yeah, and I think what Liverpool will do though is that when it comes to, like the first home game of next season, they will do a trophy lifting then. Yeah, and there will be a whole thing. I don't think Liverpool will just lift it in an empty stadium and then let it go by and let it fade into insignificance Klopp isn't that type of character he knows how much it means to the city and the, there will be a thing in front of people um, but, but I think right now it's got the the mindset has got to be get the league finished win it no matter what way it is whether it's in front of an empty stadium whether it's in front of absolutely anyone whether it's in Walton Park just get it done <laughs> and, and get it won and, and we'll worry about the logistics after that later on Ah, oh, fair enough. Well, uh, all I can say, guys, is um, we're going to just diverse away from the football for a couple of minutes and just talk about, you know, our personal opinions on this outbreak and our thoughts. So, all I can say right now is thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Right, folks, thank you so much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Right, guys, we just want to kind of get a little bit serious. You know, we hope you've enjoyed the pod. Um... But yeah, in this very confusing time, um, a lot of things have been brought up. You know, people's mental health, for people socially, you know, people socially isolating themselves. Um, all you can say is that you know we're thinking of you all, and we're going for the same thing. We've got family, we've got kids, yeah, and we've 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 never lived on it like this before. So it's too unknown for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's completely unknown. I think nobody really knows what to do and. As I said, if you'd have asked me two weeks ago, you look at as I said when we done that podcast two weeks ago, my whole feelings and thoughts around it were, ah, oh, people are just hyping it up too much. It's being hyped up by the media. All you need to do is is drink water and eat healthy and wash your hands, and you'll be all right. That's stuff that everyone should be doing anyway. anyway. It's just it's just fat people getting a hype about it because they should have been doing this stuff years ago. <laughs> and and so that would have been my thoughts on it. Where as you said, it's changed so much, and we've realised the seriousness of it all now. Really, yeah. I mean, it's on. Everyone keeps saying it's unprecedented times, and it is. We don't. No one really knows exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but we're going to continue this podcast. Yeah. And um, we're going to do our best to, to you know get a podcast out maybe every every week, if not every couple. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I myself, Danny, um, and I know you're a long time. No, I'm keeping positive. So all I can say is I can t- see the power of um, thinking positive, guys. Um, it's helped me a lot in my life before, and I'm no expert on life or how we should, um, how we should adjust and take this situation. But I'm, I'm forever remain positive, mm. and I think um, the power of positivity is underrated. And if we all keep positive, and we all keep you know, reminiscing the memories of football. And the things that are happy, you know, family time, you know, memories and stuff like that, we will get back to um, better days. Yeah. I think when the football does eventually come back, and this is speaking as a football fan, not a Liverpool fan, I think it'll bring smiles in everyone's face. Mm. You know, I think it'll be, I think when people start flocking in the football stadiums, people start to go, do you know what, we're back to normal. And it'll be a special moment as Gary Neville, you know, referred to. Yeah. I think that for me, that moment, I can see that moment. And I'm just visioning that moment, whether it be April the 30th or Boxing Day, I don't know. I'm just, I'm f- focused on the positive. Um, I myself have a young family to look after. Like everyone, you know, everyone's concerned for the you know, the vulnerable people. Yeah. Um, I've got vulnerable family and friends that I'm thinking about. But just remain positive, look after each other. Mm. Um, don't be too selfish. You know, we've re- re- referred to people bulk buying and stuff. Yeah. Um, I know my, my girlfriend's a nurse and Danny's wife uh, is a pharmacist. So they're, they're working, you know, they've been working on the front line of this. Yeah. And they, they can see, you know, the good in people. 
but it also brings out the bad in people. Yeah. You know, which is a shame. But all I can say is everyone just look after each other, um, have respect, show love, mm. just the normal things that you know we you try to do day to day. Um, I'm going to certainly try and take a step back and realise what actually matters in life. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that small things like this podcast can help people forget about what's going on in the outside world. And Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because as you, as you said, we don't really know what is going to happen. It's changing day by day. We're in the same situation as anyone else. I have yeah. I have two kids. Um, one of them is in school and she's been taken out of school. Mightn't be, yeah. mightn't be going back to school until next year. And you don't quite know what's going to happen. As I said, I've got, I've got a wife who's a pharmacist. She's also pregnant. Um, so that puts it in a very vulnerable position in a place with a lot of sick people. Um, so there's a lot of things that are up in the air and you don't quite know what's going on. But for me, it gives you the chance to be able to bring about opportunity. It gives you a chance to be able to, just like we were saying about the football, to come together, to be able to think about things differently. And there's a number of different ways in which you can do that, isn't there? And I think we've seen that. I think we've seen, as you said, you see the badge, you see the, the bulk buying, you see people um, sort of panic buying all this different stuff and going into shops and stuff. And you can easily fixate on that and think, oh, society's so horrible, society's so bad. But I think it gives you the chance to be able to, to do something good and to be able to think about things a little bit differently. You know, outside of this podcast and outside of what we do, I would be a very sort of religious person. And it's, give you, it's given me a lot of chance to be able to talk to a lot of different people about, about life and what life's really all about and, and the important things. It gives us a chance to assess and to sort of think right all sort of when you when you're faced face to face with the fragility of life you start to think well what's life really all about what's going on here and it's give chance for a lot of good conversations and to be able to maybe speak to people chat a little bit about more spiritual type stuff and to be able to um chat about what what the purpose and meaning of our life is and be able to have those types of conversations uh, in regards to people's mental health and, and different things like that uh, and then also to be a positive role model as well and to be an aspect as I said my kids it's easy enough for me to have my kids out and be like oh sorry we're going to be stuck in the house and I'm going to be stuck in the house with you and just stick Netflix on and be done with it but it's a chance for us to be able to be a positive influence on our children on the people in our community Um, you know yourself one of the things that that I've started doing well we've started doing is that my little girl decided that because all of her friends in school are all um, all isolated the same as her having to stay in the house that she wanted to be able to do something to be able to help them to be able to get outside a little bit to be able to have yep. fun and exercise so we're doing um youtube videos now of sort of seven minute exercise sessions yep. that i'm doing with the kids and we're videoing them putting them up on youtube I have to say i've had a preview and i think it's a fantastic idea i think um about something about the situation is you know it's back to basics yeah it's back to what really matters family time and sharing the love and being positive. Yeah. I think what you're doing is great, Danny. Um, I'll be sharing... What we'll do is, we'll, um, when Danny releases the first video, which will be very soon, we'll share it on our page. Mm. That's what we'll do. We'll, you know, we're here. We want people to listen to this podcast, and we want people to smile. Yeah. Um, you can't take away the seriousness of what's going on at the moment, but we, we're both in the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But all I can say, guys, is that you know we're here. We've had a, a, people message in the past saying that we've helped with the mental health. Um, we just want to kind of um, be a positive influence. Yeah. And yeah, guys, all I can say is, is let's get back to basics. Let's, let's focus on what really matters and just look after each other. Mm. And um, 
it was a great that the radio stations all played you never walk alone. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, and I know there's a football element to it, but it was a, it was a sense of camaraderie and, and being you know, together in this. And that's what we need to remember is that we are together in, in all of this. We don't have the rights to play you'll never walk alone. If we could, we would. Yeah. <laughs> but I also can say um, from myself and Danny, thank you so much for listening. Look after each other, and you'll no. never walk alone. Network. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.